In this episode, we speak with Sean Fraser about the year in review, what 2024 might bring us, our new logo, and the National Firearms Registry. What is the fella's name on third base? What is the fella's name on second base? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? I don't know. Third base. Welcome to the Go Years of Australia podcast. It's the podcast for Australian shooters. You just want the political interference taken out of shooting. Yeah, I've got Sean Fraser with me, who's a former director of the NSC. How you doing, Sean? Yeah, good morning, Neil. I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, sort of where we've been and what's coming up for 2024. A little bit early to do a year review, but I've just wanted to do it now because maybe a couple of other issues we'll cover shortly uh, in the next couple of weeks. So... Just having a bit of a look back through what this year brought us, Politics Reloaded was actually created uh, late last year. Um, it was really just a trademark that was uh, put together um, as to be really a national, uh, international magazine on the sort of issues that the National Shooting Council was covering at the time. The National Shooting Council was really focused on Australian issues. And I saw that there were quite a few stories coming out of some of the other English-speaking countries United States, UK, Canada, New Zealand, that actually were of a similar ilk. Um, I wasn't interested in going down the into the detail of each country, but I was interested in some of the more general issues. Um, so it wasn't good, it wasn't going to be that two A uh, because that's specific to the US. But there were still issues coming up that I thought were quite interesting and worth covering. So it was really just a bit of an experimental thing. But as you'd be aware, Sean, during the year. Things changed with the National Council, so I uh, that's so I've rebranded it. That's pretty much where Politics Reloaded started from and has ended up. And I think you're about to say something in response to that. Uh, yeah, well, obviously in the US, you can't really have any shooting program without even mentioning politics. It's just that it's become almost. All the shooting commentators in the US have just become synonymous with with mentioning politics. You just can't get away from it. You're and, right. You raised a very interesting issue that I was look, thinking about covering later on, and that is that both the pro and anti anti gun groups in the US have gone a long way down that political and legal path, far far more so than we've seen here in Australia. That may be size of the population, maybe size of the maturity of their arguments, even though they're not the detail is not relevant to us. The fact that they're politically uh, and legally so active is stunning. I mean, you've got pro gun groups that are launching uh, suits um, on a regular basis. You've got anti gun groups that are well resourced through Bloomberg. Yeah, the the trouble with the Australian scene is the big um, well funded shooting organisations, the AA. I mean, Victoria got Field and Game, Queensland and New South Wales got Shooters Union, um, and I think they are in Victoria at a minor rate, but they're all, uh, they're all... The only one that really can be politically overtly is Shooters Union because of the fact mm-hmm. Shooters Union don't rely on government funding like nearly every other shooting club in australia does yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you piss off the hand that feeds you in in most states and they're going to shut your range down which you you rely yeah. on that's exactly 
<laughs> that's exactly right. I'll come back to that probably in another episode because it's worth delving further into. Um, the, the actual nature of the stories that was being published uh, up until around May or so was, I'll just give you an example. Uh, there was a story which was, um, which uh, put it on age limits for gun ownership in the US. Um, there were issues to do with shotgun bans in the UK um, and, and so forth. There was those sort of other issues in those other countries that could easily translate to what was happening here as well. Um, but of course, as I said, the, the whole focus of politics related changed, it became rebranded. Uh, and some of the more recent stories which we've covered um, were uh, the New South Wales Firearms Registry. We talked about, uh, we'll come back to this um, shortly for you, Sean, uh, the, what's happening in Western Australia. Um, there were raids in the New South Wales, New South Wales police said actually were targeted on criminals. They weren't about criminals. Actually, it was just a bit of a random series of raids against gun owners. And I think they found two gun owners who had incorrect storage. So it wasn't really much of a, a raid to, to bleed about. And it certainly wasn't after criminals. We talked about the resignation of Dan Andrews in Victoria. We talked about, yeah, and the moves on duck season in, in Victoria. Um, so let's go back to Western Australia for a second, Sean, because I know you were quite keen to actually talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, about a year ago, I had discussions with um, the president of the AA Western Australia branch, and they were they were on the cusp, literally, they were expecting a a long winded and a very extended trial, or not trial, but um, court case to come out in their favour the very next day regarding the high caliber, or what Western Australia called high caliber rifles. As in anything over three three eight, your four sixteen Barretts, your 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 yeah. five, um, any year fifty cal type derivatives, and double double A had been informed by their barrister that that decision was going to be announced in their favour. The WA government premier and the police minister, especially at the time, um, didn't want to borrow that, didn't like that, and the very, literally the very next day announced those bans on th those caliber bans which are now in, in effect mm. which affected 146 shooters from from memory there were more more rifles taken than that but there were it affected directly 146 wa shooters who had to hand in or sell or get rid of uh their what the wa called high caliber guns yeah uh, that the wa government knew well, specifically the Premier and the Police Minister knew they were about to lose that case and they banned, in response, they just banned the calibers anyway. This was, so this, it, it, this was the previous yeah. Premier, was it? Sorry? This was the previous Premier, um, McGowan? Yeah, previous, yeah. yeah, the previous Premier and the current Police Minister, yeah. which the new Premier has now just simply piggybacked on the, current, the previous premier to, Premier's ideas and because they've kept the same police minister and he's he's rapidly anti-gun. Yeah. WA is about to have the horror scenario with reducing hunters down to five guns. That's total. That's whether you own pistols, rifles, or shotguns, five yeah. guns, hunters. And that all target shooters, 10, 10 firearms, and all collectors, 10 firearms. Yeah. And the, and the worst part about this is 
you can't say, oh, look, I'll have 10 competition guns and I'll have five hunting guns. Yeah. No, the, the, maxim, the maximum is 10 overall. Now, I, I just competed in the police and services pistol championships down in um, Adelaide and I met a good friend of mine, um, Wally. He's been a long-time competition shooter and as well as hunter. He has he, he competes in all fields, shotgunning, rifle and pistol shooting. He's got a hand in thir- 13 firearms. In a, we, we, this is due to go through in about a month or so because mm. he, he, he wants to keep all his pistols. But in consequence of him keeping his pistols, he's already at the 10 limit. So he's got to give away every single shotgun and every single rifle he owns, Yeah, which is just ludicrous. Yeah. We've given quite a lot of time to WA and, and obviously we'll keep doing that because of what's happening. We went through the consultation paper which also identified a range of other issues affecting WA shooters, the um, prospect of the mental health checks. There was issues to do with um, storage, whether they're going to actually change the specifications of safes to, I think it was six millimetres. And they were looking at having mandatory trigger locks on uh, guns when you transport, which would be interesting because I'd like to know if the police will do the same thing. Are you are you referring to the actual safe? Because I think there's about three mil safe thickness on on say pistol safes, but rifle safes they don't even talk in millimeters; they talk in gauges no. because there's very very few rifle safes on the markets would be in millimeters at all. The, the references were very vague. I think they said they'd range from four to six mil, but it wasn't clear first of all when that would be required, and the way it was expressed is it wasn't even clear if it's if that was simply the upper end of requirements or whether it's going to be all requirements, all safes. So we don't know what they're going to come up with. And, and I think this is part of the, I think it's part of the problem. It's not only what they're proposing WA, it's a problem. It's the whole process that the government's taken to get there. I mean, we all know about the, really the sham consultation process. Uh, we all know that the government's not engaging with shooters over there. But this is how you end up with bad policy. This is how you end up with bad laws. Oh, the, the, these laws just—it's beyond bad. It's just totally in, ineffectual and and unfair. It's beyond—it's beyond bad. It's just become—it's become unfair for not only target shooters but hunters as well. And it's why we need a well-resourced body that can actually come in and fight it, as they do in the US. And that's what I mentioned before that the. The groups over there, and I'm, I'm thinking groups like North Carolina, what's it called? The Grassroots North Carolina. There's the Rocky Mountains Pistol Association. There's uh, the New, uh, New York Rifle and Pistol Association, I think they're called. They're big groups, and they've got the money, and they can fight these things. We don't have that here. And that's why, no, w, that's why WA's going through. I mean, Double AA did their best. They spent quite a, they actually spent a couple of hundred thousand dollars speaking to the president in Western Australia um, on that court case trying mm. to win the caliber court case but when the government can just come in and override a court decision by simply banning the banning all the calibers anyway it sort of leaves you in a no 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 win situation yeah i get the sense that we're a little bit lucky that uh, we haven't seen this happen before uh and we haven't seen it happen yet in other states um but obviously the you know the belt the gongs being hit, and uh, we've got to get our skates on. No, the 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 biggest danger with any state introducing a 
caliber or rifle number, as in 10, and for uh, either collecting or competition or five for hunting, is in two years' time, they knock it back from 10 mm-hmm. to 8, and they knock back the 5 to 3, and in another five years' time, someone and a different minister comes in and goes, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll knock that 3 back to 1. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you're, you're left with just 1, which is... And that that's if you're lucky. Yeah. So I think that's pretty much all. So you can think of anything uh, to add. The sport of no. issues which we covered during the year, and there's been a few more which, which is on a website. Oh, there was the um, – obviously the, the biggest thing in Victoria was the duck hunting inquiry, which bizarrely every single, every single uh, submission – or most of the people who submitted, it was, there was over 10,000 submissions. 7,000 of those were positive, and every shooting organisation, AA, field and game, independent clubs, they all had their say. It was all positive. And because the committee was stacked from day one with uh, the Greens, the Georgie from the Animal Justice Party um, having a lot of say, and the... Labor being told almost from the beginning to write a negative report, even though most of the submissions were in positive, the report came out as a negative, which is just just ridiculous. That, that's politics that works. That's what politics is about. It's not about fairness. It's not about logic. It's not about making the right decisions. Yeah, exactly. And, and now the government has to, um, I think... Well, they have have to. Uh, do you know offhand when they have to? They've got to March, don't they, to to gazette the season? So uh, under the legislation, so they have to say something before the, ne- the next month or so. At the moment, if there's no change to the season regulations, the season goes ahead as a full season, a full bag season. If there's no announcement from the government, yeah. So the default position is that the, um, the regulations uh, will prevail with, the, as you said, the full season. Yes. Uh, unless the minister determines otherwise. Correct. And then, okay. so with the report coming out, the government has to now act on that report. Either way, we're hoping that they choose to ignore the recommendations from the report, because bizarrely, the report came of recommending not only the closing of the duck hunting season. But the report, I mean, there's, there's 230 state game reserves in Victoria, which are used for duck hunting, they're used for recreation. They're actually come, not only has duck hunting been told to cease using the state game reserves, all other users have been told that they'll be ceasing using the state game reserves. So there's that as well. I think the government will be treading a thin line between. Uh, trying to keep shooters happy uh, because we can get we can get politically active. Not that we've done it particularly well, but we can do it. So trying to keep them happy, but also keep the Animal Justice Party at bay until at least the next election, which is in twenty twenty six. Which means probably choking the next couple of seasons down as hard as possible. It could go either way, but I suspect they'll be trying to push the issue off until the next election. Yeah, I suspect you're right. I, I'm hoping we have the season. I mean, I'll be down for the, the next season. I'd, my um, local lake is Reedy Lake down in Geelong. But it all depends on how the you know, the, the Shooters and Fishers Party with Jeff 
Borman, how how much pull he has with the ministers in the government mm-hmm. compared to what Georgie has with the Animal Justice Party, and they've, they've, there's only one of each, and that's our problem. We need. Well, um, and it would also be nice if the coalition actually started to you know, carve its initiatives into the wood. Yeah, um, and make a stand for us. Yeah, um, the Nationals have done a reasonable job, but they're the the junior partner in the. Well, it seems to be the Nationals who were traditionally farming or country based people, uh, almost sitting on the fence. But there are national there are national ministers really, really, really supporting duck hunting, yeah. and, and overtly so. Uh, but not enough. They're not all of them are, and that's the, and that's the problem. Mm, okay, so. I think coming up for 2024, we've got obviously that issue. We've got WA and God knows what else. Uh, we'll be covering those, as I said, probably as regularly as, as we can. And it's going to be a big year for us, I think. We've made some pretty good inroads so far in, in, this, in the limited time we've had for this year. Yeah, it's um, had some pretty good reach considering it only started a couple of months ago. Yeah, yeah I'm pretty happy with, pretty happy with that. This episode of Gun News Australia is brought to you by the same people who created the National Shooting Council. So if you like what you're hearing, you can support this podcast for just $3 a month. That's less than a cup of coffee. Your support will help us get interviews and information like this out to shooters who need to hear it. For more information, check out our show notes or go to our website at politicsreloaded.com. I think the other thing I just was going to mention, people may have noticed we've changed our logo and might think, what's that red bird that's sitting there for? That's actually a phoenix. Phoenix basically is a bird that signifies new life arising from the ashes of its predecessor. So it's about regeneration. And part of the reason, uh, there were two reasons why I chose that. The first is, obviously, Politics Reloaded is sort of another chapter in the work that those people who are familiar with my work and following uh, is continuing, in, just under another umbrella but also because i see the the plight of shooters as having an opportunity to regain some ground it can't i can't see it happening in the short term but the work's going to happen and if we can get into a position where we can re-establish ourselves uh, with a political voice that's the rebirth that we all want to see so that's why the phoenix is there yeah, so we've gone um, full Hunger Games. I think they've got the same. Um, <laughs> oh, <think> great. <laughs> well, funny you say that. So, was, um, of course, if you recall the 77 Trans Am, yeah. not that I chose it because of that, but I was just, um, it's probably, I'm, no doubt it's been used in many other places. Yeah. Okay, so the, I guess the last issue you, was something you actually mentioned to me before we started this interview, and that's about the National Firearms Registry. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, I heard Graham Park. I mean, he's got a, a lot of say up in Queensland here where I am, but Graham Park was interviewed on ABC Drive program two, two nights ago. Um, he had quite a good say there. He had at least a five, ten-minute interview there. He's in favour, and most shooters would be in favour of police being able to instantly, as as the national database was designed to do, the trouble is how the database seems to be going to work is they're going to be using state-based data to create the national database, which we all know, Neil, the states 
well, well no. I don't know how far Victoria are behind, but Queensland um, Weapons Licensing Branch openly state that they're six months behind importing registrations in Queensland. So right. how, can, how can you have a up-to-date so-called national database if states themselves who input the data in the first place are months and months yeah. behind inputting registrations? So it, yes, it would be live data, but it'd be live data that's six months old. And not, not only live data that's six months old, what about wrong data? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not the only shooter. I'm sure you've had wrong firearms or wrong registration, wrong serial numbers, incorrect labelling of a firearm, as a lot of people have on there. When they get their registration certificates, a lot of it's wrong often. Yeah. So if you've got states who can't even do it in their own state, then that data is transported to a national firearms database. The data is incorrect to, to, to begin with. Yep. Rubbish in, rubbish out, which is exactly the same problem that they struck when they tried to look at this in the mid-2000s. Uh, there were similar discussions that were, that were taking place, and the data was incomplete, is what they found, amongst some registries. The fields really were, in some cases, in, incompatible, yeah, a lot of states don't even label firearms in the same manner. They use a different... Not only do they, they label actions differently, they record the... Uh, each one each state can record a firearm in a totally different manner. Yeah. I think um, Western Australia will, is still using at least paper-based licences, so I don't know what registries are actually even using fully online systems. Well, Graham Park from Shooters Union mentioned that the new... The new New South Wales get at the moment, they've they've gone completely computer based. Mm. I mean, you can you can now apply within twenty four hours to get a PTA on online, completely online, which is way ahead of any other states. Yeah. So what what we have here really is a significant data issue, and there's expectation, as you were saying before, that within I think that the mantra is that it be done within four years. So we're looking to build an IT system that's going to be dealing with this this sort of problem that hasn't been sorted at a state level in four years. Yeah. I mean, the states have had, since, well, 26 years, hasn't it, since 1996? So it's 20, 26 years they've been running databases. So if they can't do it, if the states can't do it in 26 years, how's the, a national body going to do it in four years? Yeah, and also they're only allocating $200 million. I think... Queensland and alone allocated two hundred million. So, how how is a national one going to only cost two hundred million dollars? And it defies me that this really needs to be run by the police. It's not their core skill. It's not what they do. They don't keep records for anything else um, other than you know criminal activity. They don't do licensing for, um, for for hotels. They don't do licensing for cars or anything else. And and here they are looking up to firearms. So it's no wonder why they're. You know, when you're relying on, I'm sorry to say it, but amateurs in this game to manage data and order to build a national version of it, uh, it just doesn't make sense. No, it's going to be just as bad as these state-based ones. And then what use is it going to be? Yeah. I mean, my understanding, and I've got no problems with, with the, the concept of of this, um, but I think it's, you know, it's about the design, the execution and the policy and everything else that you can find. But I think originally what started this, if I is that um, the industry wanted to be able to, to track firearm 
movements across state boundaries because obviously you've got industry that's selling across state boundaries and it makes a lot of sense for them to to have some kind of national tracking system but if the hope is that it's also going to be pulling in all the other data such as licensing with it yeah that's going to be biting off more than they can chew especially if if obviously the anti-firearm people like the greens they and the animal justice people they they don't want they they see a national based license in Australia type ridiculous yeah. laws nationally which would be the worst case scenario yeah I mean constitutionally that can't happen it's, that's why firearm laws are a state based responsibility you would have to change the constitution I can't see any government even seeing this as being important, important enough to, to run that, that agenda no exactly so, I mean, it's being sold to us about being data pulled from the registry, but as, we, as you said, it's um, easier said than done. Uh, and it's being done, I think, by the wrong people anyway. Yeah, well, what's the, what is the end game? So, what, I mean, yes, uh, there's, no, there's no problem in police having, um, they want to ring up or check someone's firearm status nationally. There's mm-hmm. no problem with that. The trouble is the, is the data is just, just, just going to be so far out of date whenever they do it. It's going to be month, at, at the best case scenario will be months out of date. And before they do that, I would really like to see Western Australia actually uh, give effect to mutual recognition of licences. I mean, oh, why, yeah. would they, why would they support a national information system if they don't actually toe the line on mutual recognition under the National Firearms Agreement where every other state does? I mean, that's ridiculous. You have to go to Western Australia, get a permit from the police, basically take a firearm in, but going the other direction, you don't. No. Well, they've also just added to throw insult onto the shooters. They've just added that if you go into Western Australia as a competition shooter, either rifle, pistol or shotgun, you used to just be able to apply. Now you have to pay $132 and get a temporary permit to even enter the state for a competition so on top of say a competition fee or flying or driving to perth you've got to cop a 132 dollar temporary license just to go shoot in that competition we previously covered the cost of of life in wa for shooters and there's two things I'll, i'll say one is that obviously it's a lot more expensive than other states permits to acquire for example, in Victoria, it's of nine dollars twenty or whatever they are, yep. and two hundred and seventy-six dollars in WA for the same thing. Yep. But but be underpinning that is the fact that Western Australian government does not expose its costings or, or the rationale for this publicly. I know they do that in in, in Victoria. Though they prob- I have no doubt they do that in other states where they go through a public process when they make regulations of setting fees to say this is the cost, this is how much time we spend doing something, this is uh, how much it costs per hour, and multiply that out, and, and this is this is the price. They don't do that in WA. It's just simply determined, determined by the Treasury over there, which obviously means they can not only come up with any number they want, but they can apply any rationale they want, including to, to deter... Uh, as a deterrence, whereas they can, you can't get away with that in other states because it becomes public. The whole process over the West Australia is a disaster. So suggesting we move into a national fires registry, it's going to be placed within four years, and I think you and I are going to be sitting on the sidelines just wondering if this is going to be a rerun of the 2000s when the whole idea collapsed. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I remember um, 
yeah, that was early two thousands. They they moted the idea and then sort of got mentioned and then just died a slow death. It, it did, and they also costed it at the time. I think it was a hundred million dollars. And you're telling me that the federal idea, they reckon they're going to reckon they're going to do it for two hundred. In the two thousands um, proposal, it was also suggested the cost of doing the, this work would be borne by shooters who have already paid for their state-based systems. So we've got a big year ahead of us, I think. Okay, Sean, look, thank you so much for that. Uh, I think that pretty much uh, is, is all for this episode. Uh, and yeah, really appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks, Neil. And it's going to be a busy 2024, that's for sure. Okay, thank you. See ya. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast and that you're on our email list. And don't forget to check the episode notes because that's where you'll find out how you can support us. Plus, let us know if you want something promoted on the podcast. Maybe you've got a shoot coming up that you want to promote. Just let us know. We'll see you at our next episode of Gun News Australia, brought to you by Politics Reloaded.